Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Home Buyers Hour on WCPT, where the facts matter. I've always wanted to say that. In studio today, we have a gentleman called Mark McCutcheon. He is with Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Hello. Say hi. Hello, everybody. Mark, do you have anything you would like to say to us and introduce yourself? Uh, well, I'm filling in for Charlie today. Uh, unfortunately, Charlie was working today on his tan yeah, yeah, in Mexico. Gonna so I'm going to do my best to represent. I'm a, uh, I'm a uh, home inspector with Chicagoland and also um, a field manager. So pretty familiar with doing all things home inspection-wise. And I'm also trying to run the technical stuff over here, which is uh, giving me a little bit of trouble. So I'm going to be in and out for a minute. But I'll let you guys take it for now. You're doing a much better job than I would have. Our uh, also not in studio, but uh, with us nonetheless, Joey Matthews from the Federal Savings Bank. Joey, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, well, I'd just like uh, like to say thank you to my favorite home inspector, Mark, for being here today. Uh, <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joey Matthews, uh, the VA loan nerd over at the Federal Savings Bank, six three zero two three five two four zero five, or reach me out out to me on social media. All of them are the VA loan nerd. If you see the VA loan nerd, that's me. And. If you had an NMLS number, what would that number be? I love having attorneys on here <laughs> to remind me <laughs> of compliance issues. NMLS 1330694. Well done. Our featured guest this morning is Doug Connor. Doug Connor is with Liberty Title. Very important man in my life. Doug, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? I would. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I am Doug Connor. I run the Illinois operation for Liberty Title and Escrow. We are a uh, a national company, uh, but I focus my business here in the Illinois uh, Chicagoland uh, market. We specialize in residential purchase and sale business, so it's people who are buying and selling homes across the Chicagoland area. Uh, I've been doing this um, literally my entire career now. I've been uh, at it for 10 years and with this company for 10 years. Uh, I went to the, uh, the I think some people call it the best school in the SEC, which is the University of Arkansas. <sighs> He's an LSU fan. Unbelievable. Um, I graduated there in 2012, moved here with uh, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh, almost exactly a decade ago now, and been doing this ever since. So it's uh, it's been a great company to work for. It's a great industry, a great market. It's a niche industry. Um, a lot of people even, I think, sometimes that are in the real estate understand very little about title. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit today. But uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think that... Uh, Quite frankly, title insurance is something that people may be tan tangentially, tangentially, I think that's a word, aware exists. They know that uh, there's a number next to title and that there's a bunch of charges that are associated sure. with it. But um, as, as is well known, at least in, in home buyers hour circles, one of my favorite websites is Reddit. So explain like I'm five sure. title insurance. That's a great way to uh, explain title insurance. I'm going to readjust your, your camera yeah. real quick while go you're talking. It. Does it got to go up? I can do it. Does it got to go up or down? Uh, down. Down a little bit? Okay. Better. How's that? Good? Yeah. Um, title insurance, like you're five years old. So um, let's say that I sell my house to you because we're friends and you give me the benefit of the doubt that uh, what I'm telling you is honest, which is I don't have a mortgage on my property. And um, among other reasons you shouldn't do that, uh, you come to find out down the road that I did have a mortgage on that property. And you didn't get title insurance because you thought it was a scam and you didn't understand what it was and uh, you didn't want to pay $2,000 for something you didn't understand. Um, that was a horrible mistake to try to cut a corner and not buy title insurance because I lied to you uh, and I did have a mortgage on the property, and now you think you own that uh, piece of property free and clear of any liens on title, but you don't. And uh, down the road, when uh, that lender finds out that you're not paying that uh, loan anymore, they're going to come try to foreclose on your property. So, um, yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it to a five-year-old is you should get title insurance because you never know what's going to be on title, and uh, that's what we do. We try to issue a free and clear title policy every time we sell a property. Yeah, you're you're essentially spending <clears throat> in excess of 100, 200, 300, however much you're spending, and uh, you need some guarantee that that money is not being thrown in the trash, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's our job as the title company every time we get a new title order. Uh, we get a new title order when a new property has gone under contract because we're then 
basically notified that we're going to be transacting a property from the seller to the buyer. Uh, it is our job to run a title search on that property and figure out what is on the title, uh, what is recorded against the property, and then uh, it's up to us to determine what is going to be needed between now and the closing date uh, to clear title and give a, f a free and clear title to the new buyer. So uh, the first thing, so uh, typically there's going to be two main things we got to worry about. Are there any mortgages on the property uh, and are the taxes paid? Those are probably the simplest, uh, most basic things we're looking for, but it's our job to make sure that we catch those things because when we're issuing a policy, we're taking on the liability that everything has been cleared off. Okay. Gotcha. Joey, uh, title insurance is pretty important from a lender's perspective as well, right? Yeah, this uh, crazy thing about mortgages, especially the type that I do, first lien mortgages, is that we want to make sure that we have a first lien position on the property. And so title is the one who tells us, yes, this is going to be a clear property. Your lien can be placed on it and not have a superior lien that could potentially uh, interfere with you collecting any sort of funds in the case of default. So, yeah, it's a little bit important, um, and that's about as smart as I am with title. I know, obviously, so <laughs> what, what Doug just said, obviously, I, I, I understand the basics because I have to do this stuff every day. Um, but it, it, it can go pretty deep. I do a lot of construction loans now, so yeah. title is constantly involved with yeah. those because you got to do lien waivers with every subcontractor. If a subcontractor tries to put a mechanics lien on the property, things of that nature. So, yeah, if, if you're buying a home, if you're buying a home and you think that title insurance is a waste, you, you're out of your mind, right? Uh, it <laughs> yeah. is insurance to to make sure that you don't lose potentially your life savings. Right? Yeah, it's in, in, in a worst case scenario. It's that's a great way to describe it. It's it's insurance to protect your what for most people is their biggest asset, right? And and I think education can be so critical in the title space because it's it's something that's such an unknown to so many people, especially you know your your first time home buyer, somebody that's just bought or sold a, a property a couple times in their life and then when they really understand it you're like oh wow okay yeah two thousand dollars to protect a you know four or five hundred thousand dollar home whatever they're buying is is actually a great investment so one thing that uh, joey mentioned there is the is the word lean and i don't know if a lot of people are going to understand or, or yeah. have heard this before if you guys want to speak to you know what is a lien what happens when there's a lien on the property and who can have one mm, on any good, property good question sounds like a good question. good question for a lawyer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right liens are basically a right that someone a third party is asserting on the property okay so i'm the owner and uh so i i own the property it would probably go without saying uh but then there might be other people that have an an interest in the property that are not the owner so a first mortgage, a second mortgage, would be considered a lien. It's a right that is asserted on the property by the company, the entity that lent you the money. So uh, what they do is they take a piece of paper, uh, in, in this instance it's called a mortgage, and they take it to the county and they record it, which essentially is, um, it, it, it is a, a, not a blockchain, but it is a ledger uh, that is, uh, it's it's linear in time and it shows you uh, what documents are affecting this property so when you do a title search you look at this ledger and you say okay this is the owner and then anything that has been recorded given to the uh, uh, to the county to put in this ledger it would potentially be considered a lien on the property so uh, Mark you use the example of a mechanics lien mechanics lien is something that arises out of the Mechanics Lien Act here in Illinois. And it enables a, let's just say contractor, but essentially anyone who improves land uh, most likely has a right to assert a lien, a claim against that land for the improvements they, that they made uh, that they, for which they were not paid. So if I hire a plumber to redo my bathroom uh, plumbing, and I decide, you know what, I'm just not paying you, not happy with it. They would take not a mortgage, but a mechanics lien, different document, but they do exactly the same thing. They take it down to the county. Uh, the county takes it, puts it in this ledger. And now that is something that as a homeowner, if I'm going to transfer it or sell it to somebody else, uh, that would have to be dealt with or else I cannot right. pass clear title. Right. And also talk about, Joey was just saying that a, a lender is always going to be in first lien position. Sure. So liens work, for the most part, first in time, first in right. So whoever has 
uh, brought their document, their lien, to the county first. They will get to collect first off of proceeds from the sale of that property. Um, there are some exceptions. A mechanics lien would be an exception. A tax lien would be an exception. Those can uh, the, uh, supersede, called, right? They, they they would prime uh, okay. the other liens. Is is the word that that we would use? But um, those are the exceptions to the rule. In general, it would be first in time, first in right. Yep. Um, now, one thing that I skipped over that I shouldn't have is uh, Joey's. Uh, Joey's part, which is to tell us about what is going on with the market and tell us, give us some indication of uh, how, how many scared, liens are coming. <laughs> <laughs> how scared should we be, Joey? And we may have lost Joey. All right. It's well, possible. we'll get him back. That happens. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> my bad. Oh. Joey, you there? I had myself double muted, so I have ah. a mute button on my microphone, but I also have mute and clean feed, right? So I accidentally yeah. muted both. Okay. Um, we are doing right. so, so good right now with yeah. the technical this stuff. Is, that, was a, that was a really smooth segue, so uh, props right there. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the market itself, right? Um, still nothing crazy going on next week is CPI, uh, Consumer Price Index numbers release. So we're going to see how inflation's tracking. I... I don't even want to make a guess right now um, as to what it'll do. In my heart, I think we come in short again, which is good for us. Um, however, the, there's so much information that the Fed has to adjust to decide what they're going to do in terms of raising rates, lowering rates, um, not doing anything with rates, right? I, I'm still a firm believer they've already overcorrected. However, uh, job openings just came in hot, so that's bad for the uh, uh, idea of a recession, right? Which is what the big fear is, recession. Um, so the job numbers is, was good today, is what you're getting at? Jobs was good, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Good. Yeah, job openings was good today. Um, so, however, uh, inflation is still hot. The Fed still has to weigh all data. So even if, infl if inflation comes in cool again, like it did the last two reporting periods, then the Fed has to digest that. Are they going to do another 50 bips rate hike? Are they going to do 25? Are they going to go back to 75? Like the, all these things are on the table right now. Yeah. In terms of my kids screaming in the background. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they don't yeah. like rates going up. No, either. no. Yeah. They, they hate it. They heard it. And they scream. That's what everyone said. They, I, whenever I hear Jerome Powell's voice, that's my reaction. Um, anywho, so uh, what, what, what's happening in, in the rate market? In the rate market, uh, in terms of mortgage rates, uh, actually, the beginning of the year, we've seen the 10-year Treasury yields drop a little bit, which means that people are buying them, which is a good thing because it's a safe haven for your money, right? Uh, because it's 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 guaranteed return on investment, pretty much. Um, they have tracked from – they went up to almost a 3.9 last week, which didn't really make sense to me because they had dropped to a 3.5 after uh, the initial CPI release that was low, and everyone, like, freaked out, and it was awesome. Uh, so rates came down with that. However, over the last month and a half or so, it's been trick, uh, climbing back up a little bit. And as of this morning, the yield dropped under 3.7% for the first time in a few weeks. So in terms of mortgage rates, they did drop about a month and a half ago, and they've been climbing a little bit steadily since. And then over the last two days, we've seen a little bit of pricing improvement. So at the end of the day, that's a lot of information to digest. It's always a good time to buy a home. There, there we go. go. Yeah, I, I wonder, Joey. Help help educate me here. That sounds awfully volatile for um for for returns on on buying treasuries. Am, am I am I misunderstanding that? It has been incredibly volatile. So it, it, at the end of the year, there was a lot of I, I called it fear trading. A lot of people were just selling everything. So you saw this usually when you see the stock market dropping like a fly. You see bond yields dropping with it because people are selling stocks and they're buying bonds. So it all drops together. Um, it's just, there, there, there's an inverse relationship when those are dropping. So if bond markets are dropping, it's because people are buying them. If stock markets are dropping, it's because people are selling, right? So people in the last two to three weeks have been just selling everything across the board. So they're pulling their money, they're, they're, they're pulling liquidity out of the market, right? Um, the So yeah, it's been in, incredibly, volatile compared to what you're used to um however over the last couple of trading sessions the last two days of trading uh we have seen more bond buybacks so 
that's a positive in my opinion. I would like to see bond yields be closer to three. I think that we should be there by Q2. That's just you know my personal view on what's been going on. Okay, I'll hold you to it. Yeah. Um, I, maybe <laughs> well, I'm thinking about things too simplistically, but um, you know we just had the end of the year, and yeah. everyone who is in the corporate world they get their review and they get to find out how much more money hopefully they're making in the new year. And I, I wonder. With all that sort of being something that happens, you know, uh, to a lot of people in in that time frame, I wonder if that will have any effect on inflation. Uh, do you have an opinion on that, or am I just uh, making stuff I, up? I, the the yields. Well, no, I mean, just like everyone getting raises at the end of the year, and, and given oh. that they would be getting these raises in, in with the, the the notion that um, you know they may they may be higher raises just because we all have this. Uh, thought that, hey, if inflation is higher and, and I haven't had a raise since we've had all of this uh, inflation uh, happening uh, last year, um, yeah, are, are, are all those people getting raises? Is that going to bump it, it, inflation? Absolutely. So, well, I, I don't know if it'll necessarily bump inflation, but what it will do is create a problem for the job market because now employers don't have the additional money to get new employees, right? And that's where... And that's where the, the economy doesn't really make sense right now is inflation continues to I'm sorry, uh, the Fed fund rate continues to rise. However, we still see new jobs. We see job openings. We see, you know, um, employers still searching for employees, which typically does not happen as the Fed funds rate rises because companies borrow money at X percentage, and usually when they're borrowing that money, it makes it tougher to hire on new employees, right? So th th this is where I get I get kind of lost with the economy is as the Fed funds rate has continued to rise, we have not seen job losses, we haven't seen unemployment rise, we haven't seen things of that nature that typically happen as the Fed fund rate rises, which is why they continue to, well, partially why they continue to raise the rates. Um, but if employers are giving raises to employees that are already tenured, right, then I would imagine that gives them less capital to hire on new employees. So maybe we do see a swing if that is the case. Hmm. It'll be interesting see, to see how that happens. I wish I had a crystal ball because, well, then I can probably quit doing this and just yeah. uh, put all my money in the, the stocks that are going to go up. But um, interesting. So um, I want to pivot a little bit here. Um, Doug uh, and Mark, you and I were talking uh, at breakfast about wire fraud. Um, and not because we're weird and boring, but because it's a big deal in, in our industry. Can, Doug, can you yeah. talk a little bit more about that? I mean, that's the number one threat to our industry right now. Um, we've seen uh, just a very malicious attack on our industry over, I would say, really the last five years is when this has been such a, a hot topic. Um, I guess maybe a, a couple examples of what we've seen. Kind of the the original one that we saw a lot was was what I said this morning. Is kind of like the oldest trick in the book now, right? We're not going to fall for this one anymore. But um, the the where this kind of all started, the first attack on us for wire fraud was um, somebody would hack an email address somewhere in the transaction. Whether that's the realtors, the lenders, the title company, the attorney, whoever it was, would hack an email, uh, determine that. Uh, this buyer or seller was doing a real estate transaction this morning, and um, they would then pose the the fraudster would then pose as the seller, and email the title company and say, uh, "Hi, Liberty Title. This is so and so seller from your 9 a.m. closing this morning. Uh, I remember you cut me a uh, proceeds check live at the table this morning, but I actually changed my mind and I want you to put a stop payment on that check." And yeah, it keeps me up at night. And uh, and send a wire. Um, pretty scary how far that can go and how believable that can be. It's not the craziest thing that the seller would change their mind of how they want to receive their money. Um, but then, of course, where the fraud is is uh, the wire instructions they provide to us are not uh, the wire instructions for the seller. They're for the fraudster. Uh, we've even seen instances where people will have our wire instructions with Liberty Title uh, letterhead on top of it and say, uh, please stop paying and wire here. Um, we've seen that enough now, again, that you know we have 100 processes in place to prevent something like that, where 
uh, you know, we're going to call the seller's attorney. We're going to call a verified number from the seller that we got from the seller's attorney. Because they the literally only agent. get like one chance at this, right? It, exactly. And okay. we get one chance at this too. Damn. So it's like, you know, if, if God forbid something go horribly and we send the proceeds to the wrong account, we still owe it to the right person, yeah. right? So that's where, that's obviously we're in a, we're in a risk business. And this is why we have tons and tons of um, protocols and safety mechanisms to prevent stuff like this from happening, especially as the years go by and we see it more and more. And, um, you know, the, there's there's millions and millions and millions of dollars lost in the title industry each year from attacks like this. So that was, that was the first one that we saw a lot. Um, I would say that's kind of old news now. That was like a few years back. Uh, so the original, um, I guess the original scam that we saw um, the one that is becoming more popular now is actually, I'll be honest, it's a little scarier, is the fraudsters will get to the buyer before we even talk to them. Sometimes before we even knew we were doing the closing because, you know, sometimes it takes us a day to understand or two days to understand that we're even the title company in a transaction. The fraudsters would figure out who the buyer is. They would reach out to them and say, hi, we're so-and-so title company. We're... Um, handling your closing. Here's the wire instructions. Please keep them securely. And you know what they're doing is getting more sophisticated. So it's like more believable. And they'll say, we're not going to change our wire instructions. Don't listen to anybody else if they tell you that there's other wire instructions. Yeah. Here's the ones you should keep. Print them off. Don't show them to anybody, right? So that one's a little scarier because we feel like we have a lot less control over that because we're the experts on this, right? We're the ones that go through the training and, and have seen tons of examples on it where we can catch it. Well, your average consumer, your average buyer isn't that sophisticated to understand something like that. So a lot of times, um, yeah, a lot of times they're falling for it and we have less control and, you know, sometimes we're not even involved in the whole thing. We never saw a fraudulent email goes and not copied on anything. It's just going straight to the buyer and it's kind of scary from that. So education-wise, we should really be reinforcing the idea that you yep. need to check, check, double check, triple yeah, check. Yeah, so the, the best thing you can do is, you know, if you remember, if you're a first-time home buyer or somebody that's about to buy a piece of property or ever, there's one thing I can tell you. It's that you should independently verify those wire instructions. And by independently verifying them, I mean go onto the title company's website and find a legitimate phone number for that title company and call them and say, hey, I'm trying to verify your wire instructions. Can I please read them to you? Don't call the phone number that you get in the email because the phone number that's going out from the email is going to go to the fraudster. And they'll even have setups where they can answer the phone and verify fraudulent wire instructions with you. Wow. I hate to laugh, but yeah, no, that's uh, great. so verify, 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 verify. Go to the title company if you have to, right? <laughs> like yeah. you said, you only get one shot at this. So go to the title company if you have to. Uh, you know, Go on Google and make sure the phone number on Google is the same as their website. So it's like... Yeah, take every every precaution possible to prevent something catastrophic from happening. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, um, ever since this came on my radar, um, mm -hmm. it's been my intention that whenever I am uh, having a client that's involved in a wire transfer, absolutely, my my best uh, uh, my best weapon is to make that person nervous. Yeah. about what they're doing because yep. then they're going to be uh, they're, they're not going to be casual about it yeah. they're going to go through those steps uh, you know look if you don't take these steps you are possibly going to send a lot of money to the wrong place and you, you, you have you, you stand a, a decent to strong chance of never seeing that money again I never want that to happen in one of my files. Um, yeah. I can tell you a, a personal experience I had with this. Um, this was a few years ago. I had a client, um, I sent the information. I never send wire instructions. You, Good. The, 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 you, want that, you want to connect the wire sender with the wire receiver directly. Correct. Each step that you put in the way is right. a chance no for fraud. For it. Um, so yeah, I have all these you know, caveats and warnings and, and, and whatnot in, in my emails when I say, please contact this title company to, uh, for further, uh, I don't like to even use the term wire instructions. I try to use different terminology, uh, understandable, but different. If anyone from the outside is scanning my emails, looking for the term wire instructions. I don't want that. I don't want their software to flag it. Okay, right. I, I don't know who's looking at my email, and and then that's the thing. So this example is uh, connected my client with a title company. 
I show up at the closing the next day, and they related to me that, uh, and I had instructed them to bring a, a certified check. Anyth- yeah. Anything under fifty thousand, it can be a certified check. Yeah. <laughs> certified checks, you know, it's not that those can't be uh, fraudulent, but I know my client's not bringing a, fra- a fraudulent certified check, so right. I'm less worried about outside interference when they bring that certified check. So I said, bring the certified check. As it turns out, they received an email subsequent, and, and this, is, this is how it happens when, if there's a lawyer involved. Uh, it says, I'm sorry, I, uh, I made a mistake. Don't bring a check. Uh, wire uh, that amount of money to, uh, and, and with these instructions. And I didn't find out till I arrived at the title company, and I'm sure my face went white <laughs> when this happens. I'm just like, my goodness gracious. Um, fortunately... Uh, both the client as well as the agent uh, were savvy enough to be like, uh, I, I don't know what that is, but um, I'm going with what the with, with what my lawyer sent me. Um, but yeah, just like you're kept up at night, I'm kept up at night that I might, and it won't even be my fault. It, you know, it's um, you know what what they're looking for is they're looking for yeah. the soft spot in the transaction. So going directly to the buyer yeah. as opposed to the title Spot company. Um, you know, other examples of wire fraud scams uh, that, that you know make me uh, a bit uh, paranoid, uh, uh, payoff yes. wire fraud. Seen so I, I represent a seller in, in this example. Unfortunately, this has never happened to me, um, but I'm, I'm always on the lookout for it ever since uh, the, I first heard of it. Uh, as a seller's lawyer, I will typically be ordering a payoff statement for their mortgage. So I, if, if it's Chase that is uh, servicing the mortgage, I'll call them up, you go through the phone tree, or order the uh, payoff statement, it gets faxed to you. And that's really the only reason I have a fax uh, number anymore right, is to, to receive payoff statements. Um, th- in this example of fraud, uh, it's where <laughs> instead of sending the buyer the so-called uh, correct instructions they would send to the lawyer i'm sorry we sent you the wrong instructions before yeah. and if you're not savvy to it you would just be like oh okay take it at face value yep. and all of a sudden you didn't realize the wire instructions changed yeah i mean i you know i'm sure i'm sure you've yep you've, you if you've not seen it personally i i would imagine that during your trainings and whatnot they will just tell you story we, after story we've seen that exact example of a attorney receiving a new revised payoff that's you know eight dollars difference or something like that it's eight dollars difference and has different wire instructions and we've seen that happen where the attorney didn't catch it and they sent it to us and there were fraudulent wire instructions on there so we actually put a place in because you know this is something that is wire fraud is always evolving we're always creating new policies to combat the newest threat to it uh, with that one specifically what we did when that one started to become a thing in the industry was we created a database um, of all payoff lenders and all their wire instructions so anytime you get a chase payoff or b of a payoff or whatever it is we have a database and we cross-reference every single payoff. Now, there's a lot of manpower and hours that go into every single payoff coming in and <laughs> worth it over and over. So, yeah, the policies are, are always evolving. Um, we're, you know, when in doubt, you just take the extreme cautious route. A couple of years ago, we decided to um, every time a seller's proceeds wire goes out, uh, we verify that with a verified number for the seller on the phone every single time before we send the wire out. Um, at first, people were annoyed with that, right? Because it'd be like, well, we tried to call you at four o'clock and you answer the phone. You didn't get your wire that night. And, you know, at first people were complaining of like, oh, I should have had my wire last night. And we stopped apologizing for that a long time ago because, you know, we just explained to people, hey, we're we're trying to get your um enormous amount of money into your hands and not somebody else's hands and when you try to explain it to people the right way like that i think mo- most people understand that um all we're doing is having your best interest heart and making sure nothing crazy happens yeah this it's it's for the consumer's benefit yeah. and and really and and that's why i really wanted to bring this topic up is because if anything if if i can help one person save one yeah. person from being uh defrauded by uh, talking about this stuff, yep. then it's a huge win. I, yeah, I, I've I've done you know I've done a service um, for sure. Let's take a little time to go oh. around the horn. Yeah, 
Mark, thank you for bringing that up. I'm so happy that someone is uh, paying attention. And I, I do want to say, too, that uh, everybody who's watching on these live feeds, that the video thing, I thought I had this sorted out, but it is cutting around and around. So uh, we'll yeah, see no, the audio. Yeah, the today. light goes on and off. Mark, yeah. tell us about you. Tell us how do we get in touch with you and your company. Sure. My name, again, is Mark McCutcheon. I'm with Chicagoland Home Inspectors. Uh, our website is www.thehomeinspectors.com. And the phone number for that is 312-544-9180. Also, if anyone is interested in joining the home inspection profession, we also own the Home Inspection University of Illinois. And the website uh, is for education. That's H-I-U-I-L.com. Most of the content on there is free, so uh, feel free to check it out. And even if you're not interested in the home inspection profession, if yeah, you cool. own a home, if you're ever thinking about owning a home, uh, tons of great stuff there. I highly recommend going and perusing it. Uh, you will be a better informed person, a better informed homeowner after yeah. you do that. Uh, Joey, tell us about you. Tell us about your company. Tell us how I get in touch with you. Joey Matthews, 630-235-2405. Call or text anytime. Um, I can also be reached on all the social media sites as the VA Lone Nerd, uh, literally on everything. Uh, Going to be getting a little bit more active now that the holidays are over because I took a, a little sabbatical from social media stuff. But uh, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. All right, I'm looking for that uh, that next TikTok dance trend that you're about to start. <laughs> Doug, <laughs> tell us about you, your company, how yeah. we get in touch with you. Uh, my cell phone number is 602-751-2318. Um, yeah, we're Liberty Title and Escrow. Like I said earlier, we're a, um, a purchase-based title company here in the Chicago land market. Um, I've been doing this for about 10 years now. It's been a great company to work for. Um, we're just growing and growing all the time. And uh, we're pumped for what I think is going to be, I don't know, I'm optimistic. I think it's going to be a good spring market and a, a pretty decent uh, 2023 for real estate. I think so. Um, Got to stay optimistic, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, it, look, if, if, if I'm a lawyer, I am a lawyer, but let's say I'm someone else who's a lawyer or I'm a real estate uh, professional, a real estate broker, anyone, and I wanted, and I just had questions yeah. about title or a particular property. I can just reach out and, and anytime, call you. anytime. I'd even say if you know people are listening to the wire fraud uh, stories and are sweating over their upcoming closing, even if it's mm. not, uh, even if it's not us that's doing your closing, and you know you just want some peace of mind, a second opinion, please call me at any time six zero two seven five one two three one eight. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, if if I if I haven't made you nervous yet about. Uh, sending wire transfers, then I'm not doing my job, and I'm going to try that much harder. I'll give you another example. I'm sorry. I have personally worked with an attorney shortly after his client. Uh, well, he, he his email had been spoofed, oh, no. and wire instructions were sent to his client that sent, the, and they immediately sent money to Canada, and they lost lost all yeah. of it. Wow, seventy seven thousand dollars. So I worked with the attorney like a week after that had happened, and he was, I mean, yeah, totally shell-shocked. So, yeah, I've, I've got a little personal experience. Thankfully, it wasn't my client, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's no bueno. It's no bueno. Tough to get that money back. No, and I'm sure you guys uh, over at the Federal Savings Bank uh, have procedures and training with respect to sending money. You know, I, I don't even oh, like absolutely. using the word wire transfer because I, I don't, <laughs> sending money. Sending every dollar you've ever saved. Sending every dollar you've ever saved, right? Don't, mm -hmm. Let's not even call it a wire transfer. Let's make it real for a person listening. All that money you see in your bank, you could lose all of that if you improperly wire funds, oh, right? So, make, I'm, just, I'm, getting, I'm getting bad feelings just thinking about that, man. Yeah. Um, you know, it, anytime that you get an email talking about money and you know whether it's in this context or any other context take a quick look at the sender's email address so yeah. joe you said uh, that that the attorney's email was spoofed what it that spoofed. Yeah. what that suggests to me so someone could go and they, and they could get they could register a domain that looks a lot like mine so instead of the lowercase l it could be an, an uppercase i, I. So yeah. it'd be yeah. loftusyaw.com. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. if exactly you're not is. looking careful at that, you would just assume, oh yeah, of course, that's from my lawyer. Yeah. Yep. Please don't that, don't don't do that. Don't do that. 
Yeah. Literally what happened. I mean, the, he was using a personal email address through Yahoo. And oh. obviously, you can't be doing that. You know, as an attorney, you can't be doing that. So, uh, yeah, now all of a sudden he has servers and he's using a professional email address and he learned a really hard lesson. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and let me as an aside to to my my brethren in the legal profession, if you are still using an AOL account, or an att.net or an sbcglobal.net or a yahoo or even a gmail stop it stop <laughs> it right now i want you to go if you if you don't know how to do this yourself i want you to go on upwork and i want you to find an it professional that you're going to pay 15 dollars an hour to set this up for you with your own domain name you're going to look so much better i'm not going to assume that you are a, a retirement age if you use aol.com email address <laughs> Do it for all of us. And you can still even use the, the Gmail interface. It's just, it's gonna be so much more professional and it's going to uh, be that much harder to uh, for a, a, a scammer to defraud one of your clients. So I was curious about, Doug, how, how like the title process, right? Let's say mm -hmm. that uh, we've got a new client that comes in the door. Yeah. Walk us through what do, yeah. what chain of events does that sure. set off? Great question. Like, you... All right, so we typically open a new file when a property goes under contract. So our 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 file typically starts with it's typically the seller's attorney who chooses the title company. Mm -hmm. So they say this property is under contract. Here's the contract which has everything we need: buyer's and seller's name, pin number, address, everything. Um, please run a title search on it. So we we then start our process. We run a title search through our title plan, which is basically our research on the property to figure out what is on that file. Mm. Um, and then that takes, say, two days or so for us to come up with a full review of that search. And then once we're done with that, um, we send the full search, which is all the recorded docs. Sometimes the PDF can be 150 pages deep, depending on how big the search is, how old the property is, whatever. How many on. times it's changed hands. Yeah, exactly. And we'll then send that to the attorney um, because Illinois is an attorney market and you can tell Patrick knows title insurance mm -hmm. too because in Illinois the attorneys are title agents as well. Um, and basically what that is, is it's, it's two sets of eyes, right? We both know how to examine title because we're a title company and he's a title agent, he's a lawyer. Um, so we get that search back, we give it to Patrick, he does his review of it. Uh, his review will basically come back and say, okay, um, you know, there's two mortgages in this property or um, nobody's paid tax on this property in five years or whatever his review of it is. We review that. Um, we agree with him or disagree with him. Uh, that's kind of the collaboration between the attorneys and the title companies. Mm -hmm. And then when that process is done, we put a title commitment together. And the title commitment is basically a guide of everything that is on that property. And we'll also put on the side of it kind of a checklist that says, here's what we need from everybody um, before we get to the closing table and can comfortably say this is a clear title. So the checklist will be pretty basic at times, but pretty thorough at times. It'll be, you know, the first thing is there's one mortgage on this property we need to pay off for this lender. Mm. Um, we need uh, taxes to be paid. We need to know who's signing the deed. We need uh, transfer stamps for a local municipality. Okay. Um, so it's basically, to answer your question, it's we order the search, we get the search back, we review it with the attorneys, we put the commitment together, and then we um, come up with a list of things we need to be able to clear the title to give it to the buyer. And is that essentially preparing the closing docs? Who exactly is 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 creating all the documents of the mile high stack of papers that yeah. most people <laughs> Good do? Good questions. Uh, we blame the lender on that. They're the mm -hmm. ones that uh, have you know 100 pages of loan docs. So, I mean, those are the yeah. closing docs. In terms okay. of the in terms of the actual title commitment and the title work, it's you know a title commitment's only four or five pages or so. Um, and then we work with the attorneys to clear everything that is needed to clear the title. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got another question uh, that sort of um, relates to that. So I know that you, of course, would look at the uh, recorder's records. Um, yeah. That's where most stuff affecting property would exist. There's other databases, though, uh, that I imagine yeah. get searched. Um, tell me more about that. Um, you know, there's there's online... Um, what am I trying to say? There's online title plans that we use to search, but there's also like um, tax websites. Uh, depending on what state you're in, there can be uh, different databases you search. Um, like judgments and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, there's, you know, our our title examiners kind of, you know, it's kind of like become like a foreign language if you know how to examine title nowadays. 
Um, and you never, you never know, like, you know, what's scary about our business is like, you never know what you're missing. Right. So it's, <laughs> you know, the, the biggest, still the number one thing, uh, for title claims is, uh, like the, the number one risk in title claims, the things that we pay out the most on are, is stuff that gets missed in the title search. Uh, that's the number one industry wide thing. It still makes up like 20% of, uh, title claims, just things that we don't catch while we're searching the property. Yeah. And it doesn't happen very often. Um, yeah. You know, this, it, the, the techniques used are, are pretty good. They're pretty sophisticated. Like you said, there's a title plant. There are, I mean, yeah. you know, get ready. AI's coming. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll get on chat GPT and, uh, you know, tell me what the title is on my property and you'll just spit it out. But yeah, it's becoming in some ways, I think it's still kind of an archaic business. Um, but it's becoming more digital. It's becoming more online. It's becoming quicker. You can get search results instantly. Our counties that we deal with here in Chicago, Cook County, you know, most of the stuff is online, so you can get it. You can get it pretty quickly. But it's still, you know, recording deeds of the county and everything we do in the title world is still, in some ways, a very archaic business. The, the real estate business, I think, will always be a, a lagging. Uh, yeah, it will always like. lag behind. I mean, you're dealing with bricks and sticks after yeah. all, which is the most analog thing ever. Yeah, and it's it's funny. Like we just went through a pandemic, and we didn't figure out how to do like fully remote digital closings yet, right? Like we're still <laughs> we're still coming to the closing table and printing Come off terms of it. 120. Yeah, exactly. We're still like printing 120 pages of loan docs for people to come and sign, and that to me is it's it's just so it's obviously just insane that we're still at that level. And I just thought that I've always felt that way. I've been in the business my whole career, which is. 10, 11 years now. And I've, from the day I got into it, I was like, how are we not more digital with at least just like the closing part of it, the signing of the loan docs part. And, you know, when COVID hit, it was like, our goal was to like be around each other as little as possible. <laughs> so it was like, uh, okay, like let's not get in a conference room for an hour and a half and sign docs together and pass pins back and forth. And here we are, like, you know, in 2023 now and like, nope, we're still, everybody's still coming to the conference room to sign wet signatures on a huge stack of papers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I'm, w I'm with you. I, th I think you know, innovation uh, is something we shall be striving for. Um, I will say, I mean, look, if I've, got to, if I've got to throw the old man argument in here, there is something ceremonial about, I mean, yeah. if someone's an investor and they're, and they're buying two properties a month, yeah, they, they don't need to yeah. have that experience. But if you're buying a new home and it's the one you're going to live in sure. and you don't have these experiences very often, I think there is something ceremonial about coming together and then at the end you hold the big key oh, up. Oh, yeah, or we the, got the, you know. the Liberty like house with the cutout in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, everyone has one of those. Um, <laughs> but uh, so speaking of innovations, I mean, uh, we haven't we didn't mention this at breakfast, but what do you see coming down the pipe near near term, long term, as far as innovations in in the real real estate transaction space? Um, I think like the um, I hate to use a, a a direct lender, but like you know, guaranteed rate has has the the flash closing. There's um, as as an example, you know, yeah. not, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not endorsing no. them at all. Please, <laughs> Joey, don't, I don't know don't if you have something wrong. you want to plug <laughs> in in that um, in that area too, but I. I there's a handful of lenders that have something similar to that, and I think that is, I, to you know what we were just talking about. I think that is kind of the next step for closings is having uh, at least a closing where you can sign a decent amount of the loan docs before you get to the closing table, and then you're you know hopefully you get to the closing table and you need to sign the mortgage, the note, whatever else, and as opposed to sitting there for an hour and a half, you're there for 15 minutes, and I think we have made. Maybe not as many strides as I, I wish we would have, but there are some steps in the right direction for that. I agree. Well, Joey, if you ever want to plug uh, the, the Federal <laughs> Savings Bank or Joey Matthews, you can also let them know about the Snap E-Close. There you go. Ooh, uh, we should yeah, rehearse this. I like this. Tell me about the Snap E-Close. Let's hear about it. This is, yeah, this is music to my ears when I hear <laughs> so more and more lenders with this. So well, I mean, it also depends on the, the loan officer that you're working with, because uh, I hate to say uh, I'm not going to be ageist here but uh <laughs> if you're working with someone who is tech savvy they can certainly make sure that you have a positive e-close experience uh long story short we saw what uh guaranteed rate was doing and we put in basically the same systems 
So, yeah. yeah. There you go. That's our snappy close. Well, I think to your point about having a good loan officer, sometimes our experience with it is, you know, they'll say they're going to do this type of closing and they got these loan docs via e-sign the day before. And then they get to the closing sometimes and they were like, oh, I didn't know we got those docs. And then you're just like, okay, well, we don't have them. You don't have them signed. And it like, you know, that's oh, kind yeah. of the issue with, you know, new technology and kind of the learning curve behind it. But it does seem like a lot of times it's a communication thing of like, hey, how are we actually signing everything? We talk a lot oh, about yeah. communication here. And, and Joey, you know, if there's anything I've learned from uh, doing this show with you and Charlie and, and everyone else that we've, we've been on here with is that going that extra mile to communicate you know what may be you know i don't want to say unimportant but but maybe you know uh, something you would consider an afterthought which is to let everyone know that this is a uh, snap e close rather than yeah. a fully wet signature closing yeah uh, you know that that stuff goes such a long way uh, am i wrong about that I, I think it's huge. Um, and, and the morning of closing for any client of mine, one, I start with congratulating them. It's such a big day, blah, blah, blah. I don't care if it's an investor, if it's a second home, if it's, a, if it's their primary, first time home buyer, it doesn't matter. And I also let them know, hey, I am going to forward you uh, your SNAP e-close package, right? Because they, they would have gotten it at midnight. As soon as they could have started signing, they could they would have gotten it at midnight. But I also get that email, so I forward it to them to make sure that it's on uh, top of mind so they can e-sign before they get to the table. Yeah, yeah, I, I love hearing that. Uh, let, me, let me just take a break here for a moment, and I'd like to ask Mark mm-hmm. if uh, he might tell us about how to get in touch with him, his company, and... Yeah. Uh, what do they do exactly? So uh, we are Chicagoland Home Inspectors, and we do home inspections all throughout the Chicagoland area, uh, essentially almost Wisconsin all the way down to almost um, Indiana, like a 50-mile radius. bunch of guys, and so um, we always have pretty much typically always have somebody available to do an inspection pretty quickly. You can do all your signups and stuff online. Uh, but, yeah, so if you needed to check that stuff out, needed a home inspection, you could go to www dot the home inspectors dot com or you could call three one two five four four nine one eight zero and I'm sorry about all this Please video stuff. Oh, no, that's all good. Uh, I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's 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 wild that everybody's names keeps ending up in the craziest positions, and then it's like on me all the time. So, this, yeah, this is this is gonna be. Uh, it worked yeah. at my house. I promise. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so yeah, I, just to to kind of. Uh, mentioned to you. Uh, so, I, as a matter of fact, I recommend Chicagoland Home Inspector to someone on Reddit yesterday. Yeah. Because um, you know, I, I think I think you guys do uh, you do do a really yeah. good job. And one one thing I really like is that uh, the inspection gets done, the report gets produced, and then Charlie will follow up with the uh, with the client to yeah. give them the lowdown. Okay, we've got an eighty yeah. point. Uh, inspection here and, and here's let me give you my take on it and I really think that adds a lot of value I yeah I mean I uh, he's like a trendsetter in that in that regard and I think that definitely puts us ahead of most companies um, in the sense that uh, the biggest problem I think happens in home inspections is that people see a big one come back from the report they kind of talked about it with a home inspector live and they're like yeah it's a problem you know you you got to get that fixed and then they there's so much stuff that went on during that home inspection that they don't really re- fully remember everything that was said exactly anymore so anything that's marked in red or yellow or however the report is coming back to them and it says you know you have mold or you have um you know a, a structural problem over in this corner they automatically think that it's the end of the world um, because their emotions are running high, you know they're going to spend a lot of money on this, on this property, and they, and they want to make sure that it's absolutely perfect. In reality, sometimes there's a disconnect in what what was happening, and even how the color schemes and everything go. That you know it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, it is a big deal. You need to have it looked into for sure. But is it worth sacrificing the entire um, deal over? And I think that by Charlie coming through going over the report with people again helps them smooth kind of over like all the fears and stuff or reaffirm them sometimes it is that bad i mean if somebody has a massive structural issue in their basement that's going to be thousands of dollars to fix and there's no hiding it and he can reaffirm it so that they know that they're on the right track that they're not just you know losing the forest for the trees type of thing well i i think from my perspective as the lawyer um who is 
typically if if they're not using charlies which some people don't i you know mm-hmm. that's up to them but yeah. um then usually i'm the one who's going to be having that conversation with them and i'm not nearly as qualified or well equipped to do that uh as as charlie is and so when they come mm-hmm. to me after having filtered that report through uh charlie's expertise we're in such a better place to have the next conversation which is okay so we have this information from the inspector how are we going to approach the other side with it so i love it yeah. and i just i want to highlight that because yeah, um I, I don't know that 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 gets talked about enough doug i want to know how do i contact you tell me who your company is who are sure. you give it to me I'm Doug Connor. I'm the state manager at Liberty Title. Um, I'm also the founder of the Illinois operation. Liberty's uh, about a 25-year-old company. It's been a, around longer than I have in this business, uh, but I am in charge of the Chicago land market. Um, my phone number is 602-751-2318, and my email address is douglas.connor at libtitle.com, D-O-U-G-L-A-S dot C-O-N-N-E-R at libtitle.com. So libtitle.com. Reach out anytime. Perfect for WCPT, 8.20 a.m., where the facts matter. Joey, tell us about you, your company, and whatever else you got to say. Joey Matthews, the VA loan nerd, 630-235-2405. Yeah, I mean, I I know I say the the VA loan nerd. I do all types of loans. I don't know if you guys can tell, but VA has a special place in my heart. It is the easiest one to screw up, and it is also the easiest one to write when you know what you're doing. So. VA loan nerd. That's me. Woo-hoo. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad you brought that up, Joey, because um, one of the sort of title failures uh, that that lives in the back of my mind is an example out of Oklahoma where they don't use lawyers. Um, and, you know, that <laughs> I, uh, my opinion on that would be obvious, of course. But essentially, uh, a, a veteran uh, bought a home uh, with cash and uh, went to build a fence, went and got a survey after the closing, found out that the, uh, this, the, this, the legal description for the property they bought was a 10 acre piece of swampland rather than the house. And what happened uh, when everyone found this out? The people that actually owned that property kicked them out of their house. Absolutely tragic. Oh my God. Um, and you, know, the, you, can, you can Google it, I'm, I'm giving very much the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the vaguest details, cause I don't want to yeah. take up five minutes, uh, yeah. reading you a story off of vice.com, but you know, that that's the kind of thing that makes me thankful that we have lawyers involved. I would never have let my client buy that piece of property without getting a survey first. Um, mm-hmm. the people involved in that transaction, the title company, the agent, everyone was just like, get a survey or don't get a survey it's you know it, it's it's not our you know it's not our decision and if you're if, if you're not made aware um of the importance of, of a survey or really any of this stuff you could end up sending one hundred and seventy three thousand yeah. dollars somewhere and losing it and that's why we have lawyers involved in real estate transactions in illinois right like we were talking earlier about getting a title search and putting a commitment together yeah. it's all about like the second set of eyes so if you know if the title company misses it hopefully the lawyer catches it or vice versa boy Thank you for, for, for saying that because, <laughs> well, it makes me feel good. Hey, right. we have so much more to say, but we're just about, our time is just about up, unfortunately. Guys, we are the Home Buyers Hour. Thank you to right. Doug Connor for, for coming in. Thanks, Mark, for filling in for Charlie. You bet. I was going to say, I was going to, you know, say something nasty about Charlie, but I forgot to. So I guess <laughs> I just not, I guess I just want. It's easy. Joey. <laughs> And Joey's daughter. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for being here. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye, guys.